Hallelujah. 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 There's there's no way for that long for that song to be the truth unless we trust God. Yes, yes, yes. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you. You alone, Lord. You alone deserve to be the head of our lives. You alone, God, deserve to sit on the throne. Lord, we look at the history. Everything that you've done, everything that you've said, you have proven that you alone are God. Lord, we look at ourselves and we see how small we are compared to you. But Lord, we look at the gap between us and realize it was your great love that filled that gap. It was you that reached down and pulled us into your presence. It was you that washed us in the blood so that we could be your children. And for that, we are grateful. For that, we are grateful. So we've gathered in your house, oh God, Lord, to hear from you. We thank you for the message through the song, Lord God. We thank you for speaking to our hearts and our spirits and encouraging us, oh God. So, Lord, we turn our attention towards your word. This is the foundation for the songs. This is the foundation for our praise, Lord God. So we ask that you bring us insight, revelation, and understanding this morning. Lord, get the man out of the way so that your name, your name, your voice will be the only thing that's glorified today. And we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I want to encourage all that um, don't come to prayer on Wednesdays, on Thursdays. You should. You should. God is speaking in the prayer. And and all of the those that present, all of those that present, man, God is God is he's he brings a word. I'm telling you, he brings a word. It's 10 minutes. So you don't have to worry about taking too long. But our our Deacon Diana, our Pastor D, our Sister Marie, our our, our Minister Candice, they all have poured into us. Our Sister Sharon back there who's like, well, I don't know if I should be doing this, but, you know, I am. And God is using her to get it done. (laughs) Hallelujah. 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 But, you know, when, when we look at the legacy that was passed down from her mama, then it's like it's not a surprise that she know how to pray. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So those who are missing it, it's like, you know, by Thursday, you're not tired. By Thursday, you're not a little worn out from the week. Like, seriously, I'm just saying <laughs> if you if you miss Wednesday, then, you know, you definitely need a Thursday in there. I'm just just. Just take a moment and then let, let me say it this way. being true to who I am. It's like, stop playing. Just, just stop playing. You don't have an hour throughout the week that is absolutely dedicated to God alone. Stop playing. Of course you can do that. Of course you can. I want us to turn to a very familiar portion of scripture, Proverbs 3. Now, Pastor D gave the exhortation about faith. (laughs) And and through her exhortation, it's like, I'm I'm hearing you. I'm hearing you, God. But the same thing happened the week before. It's like I was working on something. Then I hear this exhortation on Thursday, and it's like, that just nailed it. That's like, 
So Pastor D spoke about faith this morning. I want to talk about trust God, how we need to live his way. So a very familiar portion of scripture, Proverbs 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight or direct your paths. So I want to read that to you, um, verses 5 through 12 from the message. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Don't assume that you know it all. Run to God. Run from evil. Your body will glow with health and your very bones will vibrate with life. Honor God with everything, everything you own. Give him the first and the best. Your barns will burst. Your wine vats will brim over. But don't, dear friend, resent God's discipline. Don't sulk under his loving correction. It's the child he loves that God corrects. A father's delight is behind all of this. Now, we know we're supposed to trust God. And as children of God, then you know, we're supposed to have confidence Bold, secure feelings of safety. We're supposed to be careless in God's presence. That's what's supposed to happen. But there's a problem with trusting. First of all, trusting is tricky. Oh, Lord. And you just have to indulge me for a moment from a pastoral and counseling standpoint. There's there's people who think they trust God. If you ask them do they trust God, they tell you, I absolutely trust God. But when you see the state of affairs and the things that they're doing, it's obvious that they don't trust God. Because they keep trying to do everything themselves. And when God says to do something, there's always a question, a comma, a soft no some hesitation, or some excuse for not getting it done. But they'll tell you, I trust God. Why? Because they feel like they trust God. Because they have fond affections towards God. So therefore, I, I trust God. I do. I really do. Why do you think I don't trust God? Because you don't do what he says. <laughs> See, our love for the Lord could hide the fact that we don't really trust him. This, this, this is something that a lot of folk can relate to. You, you know, someone could be married to someone, love them, but don't trust them. I love them, but I got to keep an eye on them. <laughs> I don't, I'm not saying I hate them, but I don't always know what they up to. So I got to keep an eye on them. Don't tell me I don't love them. But the trust part, Sometimes our relationship with God is like that. But we won't say we don't trust God, but somehow we got to keep an eye on everything he's doing and make sure he's doing what he's supposed to. Trust can be tricky. And, you know, those that, that, that act like they trust God. Mm-mm. I'm too blessed to be stressed. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Nah, mm-mm. No, I don't have no problems. All I have is faith in God. That's what that's. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm no, everything is good. I'm fine. Everything is good. Life falling apart. And everybody on the outside can say, 
But I know I'm trusting God. I'm good. I'm good. I don't have no issues. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Maybe you need to work on your trust in God, but I'm good. <laughs> Too many folk are acting like they trust God, but everything in their life shows that they are still sitting on the throne of their own hearts. See, why is trusting such a problem? Because tr- trusting upsets the flesh. It speaks directly to the issue about control. Flesh always wants to be in control. Flesh don't, want, flesh don't trust nobody to be in control. And not even God. Because my flesh is responding to my senses. What I can see, what I can feel, what I can hear, what I can taste, what I can touch. I, my flesh is responding to those things. So when those things are operating in a way that makes me upset, trusting God means I have to get past what I can see, what I can feel, what I can hear, what I can touch. I have to get past that. So trusting God becomes upsetting to my flesh. And when you push it a little bit further, trusting God makes it feel like you're dying. Yeah, see, I I know this is real. Because when God tell you to do something that is completely contrary to everything that you think and feel, there's a piece of you that actually dies. So it feels like you're dying because you are dying. Your flesh is dying. My will is dying. What I desire is dying. What I want to happen is dying. My idea that I'm going to be in control of everything that happens next is dying. And that's a very real loss. But pastor, it's like, yeah, no pastor, nothing. Stop. When, when we're talking about that dying, like it's like actual death itself. You're going into the unknown and the unknowable. I know what you read in the book. I know what people have said. I know the visions that people have had. But when it's your life and you're getting the, this is it. You've been given your last rights. Now I'm going into something I absolutely have nothing, no point of reference for personally. I read what happens in the book, but not for me. So when you're talking about trusting God, it gets to that place where it's the same thing that feels like dying because I'm stepping into something that's unknown and unknowable. Because if God said to do it, he said to do it. He didn't say, I have to reason it out with you so that you can understand. (laughs) When when we die, we move into a new stage of life. Same thing with trusting. We're actually moving into a new stage of life. Because before we trusted God, what did we trust? Ourselves. (laughs) What I could do. What I can make happen, what I can feel, what I can touch, what I can taste, what I can see, those are the things that I've trusted in. But when we're talking about trusting God, that dies. So, Pastor, what, okay, now that you're told us what we're doing wrong, so how 
do I get to the place of actually trusting God? Because it's, it's not so subjective as we think. And it's not something that I'm sitting back and I can figure it out. Okay, now I can say that I'm trusting God. Well, we go back to the word. You know, that that's always my standard. We go to the word. We want to know how to trust God. Well, let's look at what the word says about it. It's actually in the rest of that scripture because we always trust in the Lord all thy heart and lean not to thy own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct our path, period. That's that's usually where it ends. But actually, this scripture teaches us about the practice of trusting. First step, don't assume you know it all. Run to God and run from evil. Here's here's the litmus test. If God is in the room, then you are no longer the smartest person in the room. If you are the smartest person in the room, then God is not in the room. Mm, That might have hurt some people's ego. (laughs) It shouldn't. He's God. He's God. If you've ever done any kind of research on how the, the, the universe operates and the balance of everything to keep life possible on this one planet is something that's it's unbelievable. All of the different pieces that have to be in place so that we could actually be alive here. Don't feel bad if you accept that God is smarter than you. Accept that our minds are governed by the flesh. Because the scripture says, don't be wise in your own eyes. Except that our minds are governed by the flesh, that anything that's coming directly from just how I think, it is something that is being governed by my flesh. If I'm thinking of it on my own, it's because it's coming out of my flesh. If the spirit of the living God doesn't give me understanding about it, then I am thinking through my flesh. So when we're talking about trusting God, you accept the fact that, okay, My thoughts are thoughts that come from my flesh. Therefore, if I want something that's beyond just myself, I have to go to God. When you're talking about trusting God, when you need an idea, when you need to know what to do, you go to God. You ask him about it because he is the smartest one in the room. If I had a question about engineering, I would go to Jack because Minister Jack is an engineer. It is his training and his experience. If I wanted something about construction, I'd go to Brother Steve. Why? Because that's what he's been doing since he was eight. (laughs) He's been fixing stuff since he was eight. So accept that someone else might know a little more about the thing than you. As a matter of fact, I've learned this. Like, don't bother giving yourself all that aggravation. Go to the person that knows. Ask them. They already did the work, so they already already know. Save yourself the the, the aggravation of going on YouTube and TikTok. Do they TikTok do that? I don't know. Going on YouTube and trying to find some some video to tell you what to do and say, bruh. I got this problem. Can you help me? (laughs) 
So when we got God, when we're talking about being able to trust God, it's like I call Minister Jack because I trust him with those things because I know he knows. I call Brother Steve because I trust him because I know that's what he knows. So when we're talking about ideas on how we live our lives, stop thinking you're the smartest person in the room. This is how you practice trusting God is that when something comes up, you go to God. Believe that he knows what he's doing. Believe that he is smarter than you. If you need an idea about something, trust that he has an idea. And, and you look like I'm not just talking about spiritual stuff. I remember when I was working, we had a problem. I mean, and me, a colleague and our boss was all scratching our heads like what in the world? So we left it that day. I prayed came back the next day to go talk to my supervisor. And he says, did you talk to so-and-so? I said, no. He said, because he came and told me the same thing. You know what happened? Both of us had prayed about the idea. And we got the same answer that we couldn't figure out the day before. But because we prayed about it, the next morning, him and I, so our supervisor and it's, it's good that our supervisor was actually a Christian, too, so he knew where it was coming from when we said we prayed. <laughs> but both of us came to him with the exact same answer to the problem because we prayed and God showed us what to do. Hmm. Yeah, this is how you practice trusting him, is that you have a problem, you don't have an answer, ask God. You have a problem, you think you have an answer, ask God. And accept just whatever he says, just do that. And the scripture said to run to God and run from evil. Let me just make this real clear, y'all. If you know it's good, run to it. If you know it's something that God wants from you, run to it. If it's something that God said was bad, run from it. Don't make the mistake of sitting around talking about it, trying to figure it out. Don't make the mistake of sitting around trying to rationalize why it might not be that bad. If God said it's evil, it's evil. Mm, Okay. All right. I want to move on from that point, but I don't feel y'all actually telling the truth. If the Lord said it was bad, stop all that conversation about why you don't think it's bad. Stop all that conversation about it being bad. See, the more you keep talking about the thing, the more you keep it alive. The scripture said, run from evil. God said it's bad, run. But why is it bad? What's going to happen? Oh, is really? That's what's going to happen? Stop talking, Run. Because all the time you're trying to rationalize and trying to understand it, you're waiting to get got. <laughs> you know, uh, there was a comedian that told a joke. I'm trying to move on. There's a comedian that motive, told a joke, and he said that you see a bunch of people running. You see a bunch of people running, and you're like, hey, what's, why are they running? Why is everybody running? He's saying, like, no, what, what, where are they going? What, what? You just start running because everybody else is running. You don't stand there. You see a bunch of people running away. You're going to stand there to try to figure out what they're running from? You figure out what they're running from after you get away. 
If God said it's evil, it's a hard no. A hard no. A hard no. He said it's evil. Even if you think he said it's evil, it's a hard no. It might not even be evil. Because if he said don't go to the idolatry, then don't go to the idolatry. If you think it's idolatry, it's a hard no. Whether someone else think it is or not. Then, let me move on. <laughs> Don't be wise in your own eyes. Then it says, honor God with everything you own. Give him the first and the best. God should get what's first. He should not get the leftovers or what's left over of the leftovers. Hmm. So we know that goes back to time, talent, and treasure. Some wonderful preacher started that like 50 years ago and is still hanging around. Time, talent, and treasure. Let's deal with the first one, time. This is just math. People at home, this is just math. There's 168 hours in the week. Say 60 of those go to work. That leaves you 108. Then there's 56 that would go to sleep. That's if you get to sleep eight hours. Well, with babies, you probably don't. <laughs> you probably don't get that. <laughs> but for an average person, eight hours, that leaves 52 hours in the week. And if you divide the 52 by seven, you get 7.42 hours. So let's just round it off to seven and a half, even a good seven hours. What are you doing with those seven hours out of the day? that you have seven days a week. What are you doing? And I know it's like, Pastor, you don't want to know. Laundry, cooking, cleaning, you know. <laughs> exercising, which is all good stuff. So all of the hours that you have that are at your discretion are used on the things that are important to you. You got to do laundry, but who do laundry every day except for my grandmother? My grandmother did laundry every day. I mean, every day. That washing machine was just running. <laughs> and that's probably because she had all her grandkids at her house for the whole summer. So that's, that's probably, but she did laundry every day. But most people don't do laundry every day. Huh. So out of that seven and a half hours that you have every day, out of the 52 hours of the week that are at your discretion, how many do God get? Let's give you two hours on Sunday, which most of you is not two hours. And you know why. You know why I'm saying that. Two hours on Sunday and the 15 seconds per meal. I ain't even do the math on that because how long it take you to say the grace? 10 seconds, 15 seconds. So I gave you the 15 seconds per meal but and two hours on Sunday. What's happening with those other 50 hours? What does God get out of those other 50 hours? Seven hours a day is at your discretion. 50 hours of the week is of your discretion. How much does God get? 
And not to mention even that two hours, you probably shouldn't even get full credit for that. Because if you're sitting here and most of the time you're thinking about what you're going to do next, you, don't, you shouldn't get full credit for the two hours. But listen to what I'm saying. We're talking about learning how to trust God. So, so if you're talking about to honor God with your giving, well, part of what you give is your time. So when you're talking about trusting God, is that God, I am going to dedicate this time to you. I'm going to focus my mind and my attention on you during this time because I believe. I trust. I have faith. I am secure. And the time that I spend with you will make the rest of my life better. But how much of that time is actually focused on God? If you had seven hours in the day, how much of that time is actually focused on God? How much? Or can you go past Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday and God gets leftovers or what's left over of the leftovers? And what about your talent? We actually talked about this in Sunday school this morning. (laughs) Who benefits most from what you do well? Who benefits most? Your job? Your family, yourself, does God get back any of the things that you do well? We need to glorify God through our gifts. When we're talking about trusting God, God has put this in me. I need to find a way to give this back to God. If I'm talking about learning how to trust this, trust God, how to practice trusting God, that if I take this time and use the things that God has given me in order to glorify his name, I am trusting. I am putting myself into a place to practice that what I'm pouring out for his behalf, he's going to pour back in. But it's practicing trusting God, because if I'm doing it for God, it's for God. But if the only person that benefits from what I do well is me. then that means my life is all about me. It's all about what I want. (sighs) No matter how good you are at your job, you will be better at it if you take those same talents and give them to God. You will be better at it. (laughs) Hmm. Because if I'm honoring God, then that put me in a place where I can hear from the spirit. And I'm telling you, the spirit make you smart. <laughs> Anybody that haven't experienced that, then you, you, you're cutting yourself off of something that's brilliant. Because when you get an inspiration from God, when, when you're trying to put together that lesson plan and all of a sudden, boom, this idea hits you and it's like, whoa. And then you put it in the classroom and the kids are like, this is the best thing that ever happened in their lives. That was God. <laughs> that was God. Because you're like, well, how do I got to teach? Because, you know, teaching is not just about spewing out the information. You got to actually have a plan so people can receive it, especially dealing with children. Forget it. You need to, you need to stay on your toes. <laughs> but you'll be better at that when you stay close to God, because then God can give you stuff that goes beyond just what your mind can think of. Oh, Lord Jesus. See, when I'm giving my gifts to God, then it takes the attention off of self and puts it on God. That's teaching me to trust him. Because now I'm not looking just at me and what I can do. 
I'm looking at what God is doing through me. Mm-hmm. Just as a reminder, and I'll move on to the next one, is whatever you do well is by the grace and glory of God anyway. Did you, did you think you got that smart by yourself? That your, your intelligence was the grace of God. Your ability to do was the grace of God. You know, you, you could take, you're the person who has such fine manual dexterity that you could take the smallest things and put them together. And then somebody like me with the big thumbs like this, I, I can't do it. I just can't do it. Or you see somebody is like, oh, they see it. And it's like, you see what? I don't see nothing. What are, you, what are you talking about? And they're like, you look, look right there. It's right there. This goes with this and this goes with that. I'm like, Where do you think that came from? That came from God. Ooh, you can hear a note and it's like they all sound the same to me. <laughs> because you're great? No, because that came from God. So every talent you have, even being able to put up with those people and still take care of them anyway. The ones that want to cuss you out and fuck. You trying to save their life and they mad at you while you trying to save their life. You literally trying to do something that's going to keep them alive and they mad at you and you just keep doing it anyway. That's the grace of God. That's the grace of God to be able to do that. So how do you not honor God with something that he gave you that you're able to do? Well, time, talent, and of course, treasure. You know, there's always, if you want to find somebody's motivation, follow the money. Why are they doing what they do? Follow the money. Follow the money. What's at the top of your budget? Does God have a line in your budget? Is he, does he even have a line? You know, what we spend our money on shows what's important to us. And what we'll spend our money on first shows what is important to us. Mortgage rent, <laughs> utilities, aren't you rocking? <laughs> Water. <laughs> everything else might be negotiable. You got to have a roof over your head, the lights got to be on, and you got to have some water. Everything else you can negotiate. Health insurance. <laughs> But when you're looking at your budget, is God, does he even have a line in the budget? And no, it's like pastor talking about tithing again. And it's like, well, look, look, tithing is tied to the Old Testament covenant under the Mosaic covenant. It was a requirement of the Israelites for the Levites who did not have an inheritance of the land. What they lived off of was the tenth that came from the other tribes. That's what the tenth was for. And from that, they maintained the house of the Lord. Why? Because that's what they did. That was their whole purpose. That was their whole purpose. That was the tithing system. In the New Testament, there is no limit on how much you can give. There's no limit on that at all. At all. It says to give systematically on the first day of the week they brought but so your giving shouldn't be I took care of everything and all I got left is this 
It's like, oh, well, I need part of that for something. So now God gets that. That is That is not what giving looks like in the New Testament. I'm not under the law. It's like, but 10% is a nice, even number. If you want to look as a principle of where I can start, 10% works because you get to keep 90%. Doesn't that make you feel good? (laughs) You get to spend 90% on whatever you want. But the issue is not about following the law, not about following the rule. It's about honoring God with what he has given you. If he has given you the ability to make this money, to have this increase, how come you don't honor him with it? The reason why the Israelites had to give back was so that the Levites could take care of the things of God. Well, we give back so that the things of God will be taken care of. This principle is still the same, even though we're not under the law. The principle is still the same. And for some, you don't have to stop at 10%. You can go to 15 and 20% and it won't even make a difference for you. And I know pastors like, oh, pastor, you ain't seen my budget. My budget got blown up. It's all right. But so what does that mean? God gets the leftovers of the leftovers. Do you not honor God? Because what we're talking about is the practice of trusting. So if you're going to practice trusting, start looking in your pockets. That will start to test how much you trust God. It's like, God, I don't have 10%. I don't even have 10% faith. But God, what I do have, I got 3%. I got 4%. I got 5%. And God, if you can help me be faithful with this, then if I gave you 5%, then I'll give you 6%. If I give you 6%, then I'll give you 8%. If I go from 8%, then I know I can get to 10%. But God, I got you got to meet me right here. Why? Because I am going to choose to trust you, God, that if I make the things that are matter to you important, that you will take care of everything else for me. No, and this is not no magic thing. This is not protection money. This is not, well, if you don't do it, you're going to be cursed and all of that. No, no, no. That's not what the Bible teaches. That's what some preacher told you. And and it's a misunderstanding of Malachi. You got to do the context, do the read the whole thing before you get the understanding. But the idea, though, this you can't argue with, is that so the things of God don't matter. That all the money that God blessed you with goes just for you and what you want and what you desire and that taking care of the things of God don't matter. How could you think that's right? How could you believe that's right? And that and if you've been on two percent for the last 10 years, it's like, stop playing. Trust God a little more. Trust God a little more. Trust God a little more. And like, well. You've been on 10% for the last 30 years. Stop playing. Trust God a little more. Trust God a little more. Well, it's not going to make a difference. It's like, yes, it will. If everybody did, it would. We wouldn't, no church would have any financial problems if everybody gave 10%. No church. No church. But it's under the law. Okay, it's under the law. That make it bad? (laughs) 
and, and let, let me let me be clear. Some people cannot do that. They cannot do that. And God doesn't hate you. And God is not against you. And God is not going to curse you. I just want to make it real clear for anybody that got confused. He will not if you actually can't. But you don't know if you can't unless you actually had the conversation with God and chose to trust him. So here's your homework. Look over your spending for the month. What percentage of what God has blessed you with went back to him? Just look over everything that you spent for the month. I don't remember. Look at your bank statement, man. Stop playing. Stop playing. There's no excuse. In this world now, there's no excuse to say, I don't know what I spent. They even, the bank even send you those little snapshots that show you how much what you spent for whatever for part for the month. So stop playing. Look back over everything you spent for one month and how much, what percentage actually went back to God. I trust, I believe this, trusting God is more profitable than trying to figure it out for yourself. And the last practice, ooh, let me stop. The last practice that helps build our trust. Dear friend, don't resent God's discipline. Don't sulk under his loving correction. He, it's the child he loves that God corrects. A father's delight is behind all of this. So when we're talking about learning how to trust God, Stop trying to be so smart and figure out everything. Trust God. When we're talking about trusting God, give him the first and the best. Stop trying to hoard up stuff for yourself, thinking that doing it myself is how I'm going to make it, how things are going to be better. And then this last thing, and this might be the one that trips us up the most, is don't get mad when you got to be corrected. Don't be mad because the Lord disciplines the ones that he loves. So when you're going through some hard thing and it's like, what's going on? You know, discipline is not to inflict pain. It's to teach. So the thing that you're going through might be painful, but its purpose is to teach. Mm. Oh, Lord. Just because dad said no. Don't mean he's doing something wrong to you. I want you to fix this. He said, no. But God, it would be a good thing if you fixed this. (laughs) But he said, no. But God, can't you see? God, can't you see that this thing is getting in the way of me doing what you want me to do? Can't you see that, God? And he said, no, it's not. It's just making you uncomfortable. (laughs) Can't you see, God, that if you did this, everything would be better? The kingdom would be better. My ministry would be better. There would be so much peace and love and harmony in the world if you just go ahead and do this, God. And he said, no. My grace is sufficient. Trust God. Trust God. When the thing that's happening hurts, trust God. It's an opportunity to practice trusting God. (laughs) See, don't let the pain make you angry. 
Because you know some of us are borderline angry anyway. So then when we're in pain, it's all over. When we're in pain, it's... See, because you, you, you're just about to give it to them anyway. Then you're in pain. Now all bets is off. What happens to you after that? It's all bets is off. And the Lord is saying, if you're going to trust me, then even when you're in pain, even when you're going through, still acknowledge and accept that I'm God. It's an opportunity to practice trusting him. See, there's some very basic steps that we can see in our lives that will help us to trust God. But you actually have to practice these things. See, some of us really think we're too smart. We, we really think that we can figure it out. We really think that if we keep doing what we want, this is how we're going to get what we want. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Some of us really think that if I have used my time, my talent, and my treasures on building my life, then my life will be better. But he said, God said, honor me first and with your best. Then you trust me for what happens after that. <laughs> oh, Lord. And then don't be mad because I'm trying to teach you a lesson. Don't get upset because it's not going the way that you want. Don't let the anger make you crazy. <laughs> oh, help us, Jesus. And then what does that do? That brings us back to why he told us we need to do communion. <laughs> See, because he says, trust me. He says, trust me. He says, trust me. He says, throughout the entire word, we are, we are told, commanded, beseeched to trust God. We're told to give him everything, to believe that he's got our best interests in heart, to live in a way that's going to bring glory to his name. That seems to be the thing we're supposed to do. So then every month, he says, come and sit at my table. This is why those from my generation made such a big deal about communion. Because Paul warned that if you came to the table and you weren't right, if you came to the table and you didn't honor the broken body and shed blood of the Lord, that you are putting yourself in danger. Emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and physically, you are putting yourself in danger. So if you're going to honor the Lord, you need to honor the Lord. You need to be at his table because that's some place that you realize that, Lord, I know what you did for me. And I want to commune with you, Lord. I remember you sat there at the table with your disciples on the very night in which you was going to be betrayed. And you showed them that there was a new covenant that was being written in your blood. So all of us that come behind and sit at that table, we recognize and we accept the fact that God did this through it for us by allowing his son to go through. So how do we not trust him? See, because trust is earned, but it's also given. You'll hear that all the time. The trust is earned. Trust is earned. And that's not a lie. If you're going to trust somebody, they need to prove that they are actually trustworthy. But here's the other side. 
Once a person has proven that they're trustworthy, you still now have to make the choice to trust them. Because somebody can show that they're trustworthy and you're still treating them like they're a criminal. You're still treating them like there's something wrong with them, even though they've done everything that was necessary in order for you to trust them. So when Jesus Christ died on the cross and he allowed himself to be murdered, to be killed, he allowed that to happen because he said that I'm laying down my life. He could have stopped it at any point that he wanted to, but he did not. He said that I am doing this so that you could be saved. See, that old covenant was not going to save you because your flesh would never get to a place where it actually could follow all the rules exactly. But I'm making a new covenant in my blood. In my blood. That if you just believe in me, if you trust in me, if you follow me, then you're covered. So I want you as often as you can to come together and remember my broken body, to remember my shed blood. If there's anything that should make you trust me, remember my broken body. If I did that for you, if if I allowed them to do that to me, for you, haven't I earned your trust? Haven't I earned your trust? So I'm saying, give it to me. Give me your trust. Give me your trust. Let me make the decision for you. Remember everything that you have. Honor me in everything that you have. Honor me in everything that you have. And then don't get mad when I tell you no. If you want to really trust me, practice these things. Practice these things. So we come together to sit at his table and we need to take a moment and Think about how many times where I wanted to go the way I wanted to go and my thoughts on the thing superseded whatever God had to say or at the very least got in the way. There's so much noise in my own mind that I'm not even able to hear what God is saying. I have to repent. I have to repent. How many times when I actually cheated God, I nickel and dimed them. I gave him the leftovers or I gave him the leftovers of the leftovers because this needed to be taken care of and that needed to be taken care of and the other thing needed to be taken care of. So God only got, well, I got this. So out of my 52 hours out of the week, God got two and those is a shaky two at that. And how many times when God said, no, no, This is where I want you. This is what I want you to do. And this is how I want you to do it. And you got mad. Because you don't see how this made any sense. When it's time for communion, we have to repent. We have to look at ourselves and we have to repent. Say, God, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry. Pastor D, I'm going to ask you.